Sonos, baby. You know what? I don't even have to look at the script for this one. My house is a Sonos house. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that I'm a bit of an audiophile. Kind of insufferable about it. I'm obsessed with sound. Quality matters. That's why I have Sonos speakers all over the damn place. The first thing you do when you get a Sonos speaker is you give it a name. Now, I could have named them for each room they're in, but where's the fun in that? In the kitchen, we got the Olsen twins. They're a stereo pair. Makes sense. Dining room? Why, that's Mr. Carson, of course. And we got Coach Steve down in the garage, because that's where we've been working out. And we just got the brand new Sonos Move, which we call Mo Verney, of course, because he's always on the move and he's always on the run. I love Mo Verney. He works just like the twins, Mr. Carson and Coach Steve, but he runs on a battery. And I can take him anywhere I want, inside or outside of the house. And if I'm not around Wi-Fi, I can connect my phone to it via Bluetooth. The battery lasts for up to 11 hours, and its durable, weather-resistant design is perfect for outdoor listening. Sonos works with all your streaming services, and control is simple with the Sonos app, Apple AirPlay 2, or your voice using Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant while on Wi-Fi. You can also stream thousands of stations, including live radio from all around the world and original programming, free from Sonos Radio through the app. And oh yeah, the sound is amazing. So go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos move today. Salad from Trader Joe's, you know. Smells like a little stinky fart, but it tastes really good. Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, September 1st. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here live, as always, Tess Mellis. Happy September, everybody. Happy September, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo! We've got the international man of mystery taking it to the max. Leos. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube and to everyone downloading and listening to the podcast. We just wrapped up our best month ever in terms of downloads Woo. and listenership. So thank you so much to everybody that's been listening to No Dunks Daily here. Keep your questions and your comments coming for this week's new Beach Steppin' Podcast. We're going to be hitting the beach tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, after our daily show. So email us, nodunksattheathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc. All right, guys, we got a fun, fun show lined up here today. We got the up-down report. Remember that? It's been oh, so classic. long. Yeah, get your thumbs ready for that one. Thumbs up or thumbs down in the up-down report. And Trey's got a fun little top five even for us. So we've got it all here on a Tuesday. But let's start with the games. Recapping some beauties yesterday uh, in the association. Chris Paul delivers in the clutch, baby. Thunder win 104-100 to force Game 7 versus Houston. Oh, Zaza. We're going to Game 7, baby. Game 7. Game 7. All right, Task, get us started, man. Game seven, baby. Yeah, this was a a really close game. 
each team just doing enough, but also making a lot of mistakes. I thought it was the team who wasn't going to make the most mistakes that was going to win this game because they had a combined 41 turnovers, giving up the ball, and it came down to the last few minutes. You had James Harden and Russell Westbrook against the closers of Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. On the other side, it's 420 left. The Rockets are up six after they hit a tech free throw because Chris Paul was angry. Chris Paul, the president of the Players Association, doing an air punch. That man knows the rules better than anybody in the game. And I thought, you're going down in this bubble like that? You're getting upset about a Dennis Schroeder uh, charge call? Down six, 420 left. I thought it was over. And then, boom, Chris Paul turns into the closer that he is, that, that we know. Two huge threes back-to-back. Uh, Schroeder hit a layup and then CP with a, a couple free throws. And on the other side, the Rockets couldn't hit a shot down the stretch. Last 420, they hit one basket. It was a Russell Westbrook layup, but that was sandwiched in between a couple real bad turnovers from Russ oh. and a jumper from the free throw line. That was an air ball by... I don't short! Know. <laughs> Way short. But what was really weird was that he kept up the gooseneck. He followed through on the <laughs> shot. You keep up the gooseneck when you bury a shot, but he kept it up. Is like he was looking to see did I actually miss that I don't know he was he was startled by that miss and it was startling to see him miss by that much and to just give the ball up twice so Harden and Westbrook couldn't close that thing out uh, you gotta expect Westbrook to have a better game seven because he had seven turnovers in this one zero the game before mm-hmm. but what's really scary is that Westbrook's still on a minutes restriction and he knew after the game he said yeah I'll be on a minutes restriction in game seven so he's obviously not right not to make excuses for those Ugly, ugly turnovers and people saying, why didn't James Harden have the ball? Yeah, yeah, hindsight. James Harden has messed up in this series as well. Close game down the stretch. I think we're going to have another close game seven. Uh, But yeah, the the CP was the story, especially because Gallinari chipped in with 25. Shea had enough, enough, you know, giving them something. And Lou Dort Dort, uh, hit a couple threes in this game. I think he can only shoot from the right side of the floor. I think that's legally, he's not going to be able to shoot from the left side of the floor. Uh, in game seven but yeah this is what we all sort of predicted these close games and what's weird is that the thunder finish out close games and the rockets are winning in blowouts uh in this series so i think that sort of favors uh, the thunder going into game yeah. seven but i don't know i can't see westbrook and Harden, two max dudes closing out game seven like that again uh, the, the daggers from Chris Paul didn't stop after the game either, after he hit those two threes in Covington's eye. He said, quote, to Jared Greenberg, when it gets to clutch time, fourth quarter, some people built for it. Some people shy away from it, Trey. Ooh, is that a dagger in a Harden Westbrook eye right there? Look, man, I said I'm not going to say anything bad about Chris Paul this year. He's been incredible. In his interview with Jared Greenberg, he also dropped a dumb and dumber quote. It was a piece de resistance <laughs> talking to JG uh, there. Uh, Chris Paul, though, he was incredible. It's like you never expect him to miss up to mess up in clutch time, since I'm saying only nice things right now, whereas Westbrook just honestly gave the game away. Uh, that was that was the problem. It's like, yeah, Harden should have had the ball because then it would have meant that Westbrook didn't have the ball, and it would mean... Westbrook was passing the ball to somebody who could actually catch it. That was a uh, that was bad Russ right there. That was we talked about good Russ and bad Russ for basically the entirety of his career, and that's the worst possible Westbrook you could have: the short jumper, a couple of bad turnovers, and just not being able to get the ball to Harden. I mean, SGA was doing a pretty good job of denying him up top. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, D'Antoni could have probably done something a little bit more spicy to actually free Harden to get a to get a look, but uh, he can't go that long without touching the ball in clutch time. I mean, maybe he doesn't have the greatest clutch reputation, 
Uh, though apparently he just got to hit a couple of shots in a game uh, in a first-round series to get that clutch reputation. <laughs> but I would yeah, still rather him it. have the ball. I would still rather Harden have the ball because he was playing hard, too, I thought. He was giving it on defense. Chris Paul was certainly scoring on him, but there were a couple of times when Harden would stand him up and force a pass from CP3. And then he had that nice save where he threw the ball off Danilo Gallinari. He had the energy. He was ready to go. Just couldn't get the ball for whatever reason. Yeah, Lee, what do you think? This is really the Rockets' uh, worst nightmare here. <laughs> I mean, you know, going to a Game 7, you know, had this game, uh, you know, they could have closed it out. They were up 6, like Tass said. And then you've got, yeah, the Westbrook-CP3 dynamic here, these two guys being traded for each other. And it was the Rockets who, you look at it, go... Oh, yeah, this is for the immediate. This is the short-term upside because we get Westbrook. That'll get us through a couple series here, and then here they are. They could lose to Chris Paul, and, you know, they gave up all those assets to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Trey's right there. Like, James Harden hustled last night. He played hard, and on defense, he was the only guy that Chris Paul couldn't kind of shake off, I thought. But in those last critical moments, the big difference, I thought, between Harden and Chris Paul was Chris Paul demanded the ball and kept the ball to himself and was like, "I'm, I'm taking this team home. And James Harden didn't do that. And mm-hmm. I thought that's very, very important because Westbrook was absolutely awful last night, but he, no one forced him to give the ball up. James Harden didn't say, give me the ball. Oh, this is my team. I should be the one who, who, if we lose this, James Harden wants to go out firing, not having Russell Westbrook throw the ball away and then take those bad shots. So I think that's a key, key point here that James Harden had a fantastic 44 minutes of this game, 45 minutes and, and, you know, those hustle plays where he's saving the ball from out of bounds, giving his team an extra possession there, those are incredibly important in those moments. But then, and, and Chris Vernon sort of pointed out, there's one play where he is just strolling down casually right near at the end. And I just think that is not a good look for him. And, and again, I refer back to Chris Paul who had the ball and he basically kept it for the entire 24 seconds at the end because he's like, we're going out on my watch if we go out. And, and he'll, he'll take that loss. Sure. But instead... He steps up, hits those two massive threes. That second one over uh, Covington, I believe it was, as time was running out, gave him a little tap on the butt to sort of say, hey, hey, what would you think of that? I mean, that was just huge. And this came after Chris Paul almost blew it for his team by uh, giving away a ridiculous technical foul because he was wrong on the call for one. And then he knew by throwing that, uh, throwing his hands, that's going to get you a tee. That almost cost his team. Instead, he was like, all right, I screwed up. Now it's my, my responsibility here to take my team home. And he did that. So... Um, this was uh, this was a weird game. I thought uh, it sort of felt to me that the Rockets were in control, and they just had to play a last couple of decent minutes, and they win this series and they move on. Instead, now they're going to the the, the worst situation possible for them, which is a game seven. And uh, and I mean, it's going to be a great game. You know, the Rockets is by no means out of it or anything like right. that, but they have to clean up how they close out games. Whereas you know, the the Thunder are the best team at finishing. Chris Paul has shown all season long that what he does in those fourth quarters and in those clutch moments is win the game for his team. And, uh, and he did it again last night. So it sounds like if you're laying a little bit of blame for this Rockets loss, you're looking at Harden a bit more than Westbrook. Well, because you're saying go get the damn ball. Yeah, no, no, but see, it shouldn't like, be a shocker from Lily. Yeah. But see, I don't want it to be like, oh, well, you know, I have a bias against Harden. But in those moments, that's when your star player has... Like, people are saying, well, Westbrook had the ball. Harden's got to go up to him and say, give me the ball, man. This is my team. You've been terrible today. And he didn't do that. He was kind of placid in that moment. And so, and again, I think I've been fair to say James Harden has been very good in this series, you know, at most of the time. And he was very good yesterday. But in that critical moment, the difference was Chris Paul didn't let anyone else sort of have the ball for his team. James Harden was kind of okay with Russell Westbrook doing it. And Westbrook, I mean, Westbrook made two bad passes. Like he made, of those seven turnovers, I would say six of them were just terrible passes. Yes, yes. Like not even close to people in the open court and in transition. So he was having a bad game. 
Um, and again, it, that's the that's the moment. Like that, Danilo Gallinari actually had a very good game for the Thunder, and in that third quarter, got hot. And you could see he was demanding the ball, but Chris Paul was still like, at the end of the game, it's my time. And, but James uh, Harden, James Harden wants somebody else to help him out. That's why they went and got Chris Paul. That's why Russell Westbrook is there. And he, it's not like uh, he didn't touch the ball at the end of the game. I, I know we're we're looking at Russell Westbrook because those turnovers were horrendous, uh, but. James Harden did have a chance to win this thing. He took a shot. Uh, it's tied at 100. 40 seconds left. It's James Harden time. And he clanked the three. Mm-hmm. And then so next possession, yeah, that was uh, that was Westbrook time. And so they were sort of alternating. You know, when they were yeah, down, it, it they were down like six that. points. Well, it, it, well, that's, it, that's exactly like what that, they are. Though. No, that's what that, they. That's but, that's what you want. James Harden to shoot every time down the. Oh, he said to task. He's saying it's 15 seconds left. You're down two in in a game in a playoff game. I mean, the best guy on your team should have the ball. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Like, was the ball supposed to come back to Harden? Was Westbrook kicking it to Covington? Was Harden then coming around the top? There was tons of time left. It wasn't like there's two seconds left when Westbrook threw the ball away. So maybe it was coming back to Harden. Oh, come on. That You've was got, the play. No, no. Yeah, Harden said that Westbrook was going to drive, and he made a decision that, yeah, he was cut off, so he made a pass, and it was a very, very bad pass. I, I just, we, we've seen this play out with Harden before. He's not going to, sh- I don't know, he's not going to shoot every time down the stretch. I, I think that's... But why, why not, though? I mean, like, look, look, the looks that they got and the possessions they had, I mean, surely you want the ball in James Harden's hand then. I, if I'm Mike D'Antoni, I'm like, James, of course. James, drive in, you know, shake you off your defender, get a step back through. Whatever you feel comfortable with, this is your team, man. We pay you the big bucks. You go out and finish it off. Like what you see from Chris Paul, like what you see from Damon Lillard, like what you see from Jimmy Butler. That's the guy you should be on this team. I know, but we're forgetting. Harden, it's, it's, they're, down, they're down six points. Harden's got the ball. I'm sorry, they're up six points. Four minutes left. It looks like it's over. Harden misses a three. Then uh, a minute later, turns it over. Then uh, about a minute later, misses a three. It's not like he wasn't touching it. They were just taking turns because they're the two max dudes on the team. I, I don't know. If you look back in Harden's history, he's not winning series on his own. <laughs> just, that's just not how it works. <laughs> so I, I don't know why you would expect it to happen yesterday. Well, but, but again, he can't, he can't t- shy away from that moment. Again, when Westbrook's having such a bad game there, it's, it's got to be like, well, this is my team. I'm going to do it. And and that's, that's I think, the difference right now. And I just think if he misses those shots, you've got to forget about them and take the next one. James Harden, we see all the time, he can beat anyone. He can drive inside. He can get that shot off anytime he wants. But if he doesn't have the ball in his hand and he doesn't demand it, then it, he, he can't then sort of look around and hope one of his other teams gets him over the line. It's sure from time to time, but in that moment when the series is on the line, I thought... I thought it was very disappointing to see. And, um, you know, people people think that I hate James Harden. I don't hate him at all. He's a fantastic player. He's incredibly talented. But in that moment, in that key moment, he went missing, I thought. And that's, uh, that's just bad for him. I hate to ask this, but would the Rockets have closed out this series if Westbrook, excuse me, never came back? <laughs> I... Eric Gordon, I mean, the sub there late. I mean, Eric Gordon was playing pretty damn well. It was a big part of that little Rockets run. And then, you know, Westbrook's in there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's possible, I think, with how close these games are and how rough Russ has looked. I mean, look. He's looked bad. The Rockets, Harden and Westbrook, for that matter, if they don't win this game seven and move on past the Thunder here, they will never – I don't think they'll ever hear the end of it. I, I mean, it will be a wrap on them, like, playoff, like, potential. Like, I – and, and and almost fairly, you could almost then never be like, oh yeah, they they're a title. The Rockets are supposed to be a title contender. 
Not not you know uh, you know just getting past a, a very scrappy, which we all had this going you know long this series, but still they had chances to close them out, and they sort of lack that that killer mentality. And maybe it's yeah, some of them Harden shying away from it a little bit. Maybe it's it's Russ forcing things. Maybe it's D'Antoni checked out because he's already moving on. I don't know, but uh, this would be bad, right, Trey? Like if they don't pull this out in Game Seven, this would be very very bad. Ah, so it sounds like you're saying it'll be a huge mark for the positive if they do pull out a Game 7 it's, winning it's against Chris true. Paul. Uh, it goes either way, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, of course they'll get crushed if they lose a first-round series, even though it feels like a lot of people were picking the Thunder and mm-hmm. saying that they were basically the favorites. Uh, yeah, it's a story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, James Harden at one point set the playoff record for turnovers in an elimination game, and... His reputation hasn't really recovered from that, but he goes out and he scores 35 a game during the regular season, and he convinces you. They got a chance, and honestly, home court advantage is real. The home team has won every single game of this series, so the Rockets got to be feeling good going into Game 7. Yeah, yeah. i tell you what, if the Rockets continue to drive the ball, they'll win Game 7 because that's what they do. They can score easily. They get into the paint so easily. Steven Adams was okay yesterday, but he hasn't been great in this series. But I just find that whenever the Rockets just continually drive the ball, they get clean looks and they get so many opportunities to score easily on the Thunder. And I think that's what they should focus on in Game 7. It's going to be a tight game. They tend, game 7s tend to be go inside. Just keep attacking the paint. Keep attacking the paint. Because there is the, the Thunder defense is not good. It has not been good in this series, particularly on the perimeter. And they've got Gordon who can get inside. Harden, of course, he can get inside. And then Westbrook, I mean, that's the one thing he can do is he can get in the paint. He wasn't sort of able to finish all that well last night. But he can get inside, keep attacking, try to get guys in foul trouble. I think that is their key to winning this Game 7. Yeah. What I love about this bubble schedule is that this game goes tomorrow, right? Yeah. I like. I love that we can like just get right to it. Because, you know, when it's the regular playoffs and, and we're traveling around, there's like sometimes two or three games, a days, excuse me, between some of these games. And it's like, by the you know, you're caught up in other games. And then, okay, oh yeah, now it's Game 7, like days later. I love that it's tomorrow. I absolutely love it. And yeah, I have no clue. I mean, I was with Trey. He convinced me Rockets in seven. So that's still in play. A lot of you guys, I think, had Thunder in seven. So, you know, we're going to find out here. But I'll tell you what, if it's a close game, that's going to favor Chris Paul and the the Thunder because they've proved it all season long. And as we talked about, the Rockets uh, with their star players can uh, come up short at times in uh, in clutch moments. But we got got, uh, John Schumann on the horn here. He's listening in. Uh, So, Johnny... Do your work. <laughs> pull pull up a Schumann stat, my man, and find out James Harden's stats game by game because I know it gets worse and worse as the series goes on, especially from the three-point line. He, he, you know, he scored and he was controlling the game in game six, but he didn't shoot well from the three-point line. And so I definitely agree he's got to go in and, and drive and score uh, because the three-point shot, I don't know what it is, but as series go on, the three-point percentage gets worse and worse throughout his career. Mm. So I want to see that game seven percentage, and it's gonna be it's gonna be real ugly. These two teams <laughs> hate each other. They absolutely despise oh, yeah. each other. Uh, Schroeder hating this guy, and this guy hating Tucker, hating everybody. Uh, they absolutely uh, will get some texts uh, on Wednesday night, and yep. and I'm okay with that. But but also. I thought Dennis Schroeder almost gave this game away in, in sort of the, the middle quarters. He was just horrendous. He was the opposite of what a point guard should be. He was giving Stephen Adams the ball on a, on a break. Uh, he was not looking you know, at the right guy. Gallinari was hot, and he passed him over. Uh, he was just real bad. I don't know if he was thrown off because of the, 
the the punch to PJ Tucker's testicles, but he looked like a totally different player from the first uh, part of this series. So they kind of they the, the Thunder got away with it, uh, not having uh, Schroeder play really well, and the other guys chipping in. Obviously, um, hey, that's why this series is seven games. It's it, oh, it's pretty yeah. it's pretty evenly matched. I mean, we talked about in Game Five, Gallinari was a no show. Yeah. <laughs> he, like he lost his shoe. That's all he did in Game Five, and then was huge in Game Six. And Dort hitting shots. I mean, that was big too. I mean. He's going to be left wide open. He has to hit a couple of them. And he did. And I thought it was uh, pretty telling. Uh, again, this speaks to what you were talking about, Trey, with uh, CP3 being a little bit more confident, right, in trying to build guys up. In the, He's slipping in in that post-game uh, interview again. He's talking about, like, I'd go to war with Lou Dort until the wheels fall off with this guy. You know, he's trying <laughs> to keep the kid's confidence. Like, he's got to hit some of these because it can't be four-on-five basketball out there. So, again, just Chris Paul with that sly little leadership there, sly little digs at Westbrook and Harden because he even threw in the Damian Lillard line. I mean, yeah. It was. Uh, it was a pretty good performance in Game 6 and then after uh, talking to Jared Greenberg for sure. What were you going to say, Lee? He was uh, whacking nuts as well again last night. He gave Yes, he did run. whack a nut. And then he Trey and whack- I on Twitter got to figure out the rankings. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if you're, uh, is it a, a, does it go flick and then tap and then honk and then squeeze? And, you know, like Trey did a great job. I mean, I don't, think, I don't know if you have it in front of me there, Trey, but that was unbelievable. And I agreed with most of it. It was interesting where you had honk and squeeze um, though those are different, right? Because it's the the, the force and the duration of, a, of it. Do you have that tweet in front of it? Take us through that. Yeah, bit. okay. This is, I don't even know how many of these I put in here. Way too many. But my order of most pleasant to least pleasant, uh, nut shots, graze, flick, yep. honk, tap, tug, elbow swipe, elbow strike, <laughs> squeeze, uppercut, kick, knee, stomp. People were very worried about a stomp. You do not want yeah. to be in a stomp situation. Yeah. Even Chris Paul won't go that far. Yeah. 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 So the only one was like, oh, do you have squeeze in the right spot? Because you have it after elbow strike. But I'm gonna, for, me, for me, a squeeze is going to have a lot of, uh, <laughs> I almost said girth behind it, but I actually think strength behind it. You know, like you're really getting in sure. there and holding on for a long time. Yeah. Whereas a honk, you're just like, Yep. Yeah. Duration mm. and force. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big difference. Maker. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the, what, what was, uh, what was Westbrook? Uh, what was well, Chris Paul's last it night? Was, like, it was kind of a graze, really, because he kind of got him from behind. But and I, and Westbrook's totally, reaction yeah. sort of made it seem like it was worse than it was. But I think, like most of us, any sort of attention down there, unexpected, you tend to sort of uh, flinch pretty strongly sure. about it, you know. Because I didn't, I didn't think it was one of those real, like a real crack. So you think that there. was an elbow graze? Yeah, I think so. I think mm. so. I think it was a graze. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, man, someone's nuts are getting ejected. I think in Game Seven. I mean, PJ Tucker, man, PJ nuts are getting ejected. <laughs> I just hope PJ Tucker can make it through Game Seven. He's had a rough series. He's always on the ground. It seems to be. He's always getting whacked and hit. And yeah, his his nuts have uh, come under some fire as well. So just let's let's keep the nuts, uh, keep everyone's nuts clean, please, for Game Seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a manscaped ad yet, but very close. Yeah, when we were talking about greys, I thought we were talking about manscaped hair color. Uh, <laughs> Shave those greys down there. Jeez. No, no, no. All right, so anything else from this game uh, before we move on? Less flopping. Uh, I want less flopping in Game 7. We're getting yeah, some well, serious flopping. Don't hold your breath on that one, some of these guys. Uh, yeah. Come on, come on, President of the Players Association. Less flopping, more shot making. I will say the final foul that put Chris Paul to the line to hit his free throws to give them the lead where we had the review, right? Because we had the challenge (laughs) on whether it was a foul. I thought in real time 
that Chris Paul actually fouled himself. I don't know if I was the only one that thought this. There was like one angle where I saw that it looked like he's driving and I thought maybe he didn't get hit by Covington or whoever and then like went like that, like slapped his own arm. I'm like, oh wow, that's next level. He's now fouling himself to sell it. Of course, then they show the replay and, and definitely was hooked and it was the right call. And that's why it is a little alarming that it didn't never the ball never got to Harden. They had about four minutes lead to draw up yeah. something to you know like hey or him to say you know no I'm taking this shot like yeah it was a little silly because they didn't call a timeout after they made free throws but they had had all that time to obviously uh, oh there was a lot of a lot of stoppages in that last couple of minutes there with balls going out of bounds and stuff it took them far too long I mean that one James Harden did save it felt like they were looking at that for like three minutes it's like yeah. come on I mean Spiro I think it was Spiro on the call he was like and Chris Webber they like you could see immediately okay I believe it was ball. BA Great wasn't save. it yeah. oh BA excuse me BA yes yeah. yeah but they changed the clock as well it was like went from 40 seconds yeah. to 41 so they had to check and look hey his foot's good let's see what this clock says about things you gotta keep your times rightly mm. that was an impressive save Oh, that was yes, great. It was. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. I'm jumping out. Gallinari there. didn't box out, and uh, it cost his team a possession. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move to the other game from yesterday. Another great one. Jimmy Butler scores 40 as the Heat topped the Bucks 115-104 for the 1-0 series lead. People that took the Heat in this series are feeling happy after Game One because Jimmy Butler came to play. Lee, get us started. Yeah, well, there's a lot of different angles I think you could take with this mana, this game, but I think the most important one is how Jimmy Butler just closed it out. Uh, once again, he just took his team on his shoulders, and Chris Middleton, he absolutely gave him a bath. Chris Middleton didn't have to have a shower after that game. He was as clean as a baby's bum because uh, he was just honestly just watching watching Jay, uh, Jimmy Butler score. Like Jimmy Butler was just like, oh, my God, I am going to eat this guy. I am going to eat him. He wasn't afraid at all. He wasn't uncomfortable. He wasn't pushed out of his position. Jimmy Butler was like, okay, great. I'm just going to score here. I might dunk it. I might hit a little mid-ranger. I might even hit a three. I'm not sure. But if Chris Middleton's on me, it makes no difference whatsoever to what type of shot I'm getting. And this now comes back to Coach Mike Budenholzer and what he's going to do to try to change Mm. the defensive assignment. Is he going to double him? Is he going to maybe put Giannis on him? Or because George Hill was on him for a little bit there, that made no difference whatsoever. So I think, and Eric no Bledsoe, Bledsoe was, for the Bucks. We should point that out. What's that? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. No, Eric, no Eric Randolph Bledsoe. or Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. But even if they did have Eric Bledsoe, Jimmy Butler's not afraid of him. I don't think either. But no. um, the the this is now the question about Mike Budenholzer, how he will uh, adjust things on the defensive end and on the offensive end because Giannis, uh, the Miami Heat defense, I thought was incredible on Giannis. Every time he had the ball, there was either Crowder either Iguodala, either Bam, uh, whoever was there, basically every time Giannis had the ball, there was a body, there was somebody there new in his face, in his grill, never let him get comfortable. And uh, and the Bucks weren't able to overcome that. So a couple of big storylines there. But again, I think the most important one is how the team that won the game closed it out. They went to their leader. He got their buckets, hit shots, and uh, and took their team home. And then he had another. He had a great post game as well. He's hugging everyone. He's saying he's best friends with everyone. Jimmy's saying I'm not giving the ball to anyone. They, my, I told my teammates they're not getting the ball. I mean, like, I mean, they said fine. I mean, yeah, a few shots. Yeah. And they said fine. fine. Well, what a quote. Oh my god. So yeah. uh, so Jimmy had it all. He had it on the court. He had it off the court. And uh, and of course he got the big win. And uh, yeah, this one for the ones who picked the sexy upset. You're feeling pretty sexy this morning. You are. You are indeed. Yeah, Jimmy Butler scored 14 of his playoff career high, 40 points in the fourth quarter there. 13 of 20 from the field, 12 of 13 from the line, uh, which he, you know, is one of the best in the league at getting there. And two for two from three. He really feels like, to me, and I mean this with the utmost respect, Trey, Jimmy Butler feels like discount Kawhi Leonard. 
I mean, that's the way I'm always playing right now. Yeah, he's like, he you know, clutch. Any shot he wants, obviously brings it defensively. It's He's like a discount Kawhi to me. He's not quite Kawhi Leonard's level, but he's damn close. Yeah, he was doing a... If he was doing a my player, he would have made his player exactly the same as Kawhi Leonard, but his skills would be a little bit down, but he turned up the media savvy, right? Like, that's yeah. the difference, is that yeah. Kawhi's a little bit better on the court. Jimmy is way better off the court, but um, I picked the Bucks. I don't think this series is over, but... I was regretting it hardcore watching <laughs> Jimmy take over in a playoff game yet again. This guy's one of my five favorite players in the league, probably. I've loved him for a long time, and I had the gall to pick against him when this team is flowing and he's actually in charge. That was impressive, man. He put the team on his back, you know, and it started uh, with Chris Middleton pretty hot in the first half, and yeah. then Butler just eviscerated him. That was quite a performance. So now the Bucks got to figure something out. The good thing for them is that their uh, adjustment should be pretty easy. Play Giannis more and have Giannis play better because the Bucks outshot the Heat from three. You should win that game, especially if you got the double MVP on your team. Giannis has to be better. He's got to play more. And maybe, maybe he's got to guard Jimmy Butler a little bit. Yeah. He said afterwards, uh, why would you ask me if I wanted to guard Jimmy Butler? Like he was shocked at even the idea of a defensive player of the year guarding the best player on the other team. I thought that was a little strange. I mean, you know, Giannis isn't always guarding two guards, but maybe he could do it for a few minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, definitely. And I think maybe the the relationship or, or sort of the, the match with Mike Budenholzer isn't a good one. Because if you had a, a hard-ass coach, he'd be telling Giannis to go guard Jimmy Butler for at least a possession or two. Or somebody who needs to get the most out of Giannis. Or he'd be playing him 40 minutes a game. I, I think that's... Uh, that's a situation that I don't know if it's going to be fixed. You say play uh, Giannis more. I know the whole internet is saying, yeah, stop playing 10, 11 guys. When Eric Bledsoe comes back, there's going to be 11 guys in this rotation. I don't think he's going to he's going to shrink it at all. Frank Mason played uh, in this game. Uh, <laughs> Frank for a Mason the third? Yeah, Frank Mason the third. <laughs> Wesley Matthews, junior or senior? Who knows? There's all sorts of those suffixes on this team that I don't know if, if that's what Mike Boonholzer likes, but he just keeps throwing these guys out there. And it didn't matter that Giannis had some foul trouble early. That's not why he only played 36 minutes in this game. That's what Budenholzer does. He does it game after game after game. And his job is definitely on the line. I, I think if, if they get bounced here, despite them mm. being on pace for a 60-plus win season, uh, you know, it's... It, you got to get more out of Giannis. That's, that's 100% true. Um, he only had one basket in the fourth quarter, uh, and it was sort of midway through the fourth. That was before it all broke down towards the end there. Uh, it was a lot of Chris Middleton, a lot of Brooke at the end. And my big worry is they still don't know how they finish games in playoff games. And they got monstrous games from Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Those are going to come back to earth. Uh, th those right. shooting percentages are going to slow down. And uh, the the big worry is, yeah, you, it, you saw flashbacks of the Bucks versus the Raptors last year where they don't know how to close things out. And you build a wall against Giannis and other guys are going to have to make plays and there's just not enough space out there. And I guess Bud was trying to get space by getting Chris Middleton some shots and getting Brooke Lopez some shots there at the end of games, at the end of the game for Giannis to get free. Uh, but it ain't working. And so we still haven't even seen a really, really close game. I, I know it kind of came down to the wire, but it wasn't a possession-by-possession possession game. And that's the scary part for the Bucks. I still don't think they know how this thing ends. And they had, yeah, as, as Trey said, incredible shooting percentages uh, from three-point land and incredible performances from their number two and number three guy. 
Uh, they got some big, big worries, some huge worries going into game two. Yeah, I mean, it was, you're right, it was similar to the Raptors beating them last year in terms of like just the job they did at shutting off, putting up the wall, whatever you want to call it, on Giannis. He only had four shots in the restricted area. And this, Lee, was not a lot of just bam reasons, which we thought, you know, we'll get matched up on him and maybe can hang. It was Jay Crowder. It was Iguodala. It was Jimmy Butler. They all saw time on him and everybody. I mean, it was all focus on Giannis. But then when Giannis even got to the line, four for 12, Mm. that's brutal. I mean, you're not going to win a series shooting, what, they shot like 53% from the free throw line and all the turnovers. You're not going to win a game or a series like that. And then I thought because of that, missing free throws, too many bodies anytime he got in there and couldn't get a nice shot up, that he started settling. I thought Giannis took, it was like, it was a close game, really close game still, 530 to go in the fourth quarter. So halfway through, he forced a brutal three. And if you're the Heat, you are loving. You're like, go nuts, my man. You might hit it. It's fine. It's not even an ugly shot, but you're forcing that because you're a little worried about what's going on inside there. You can't get past us. And then even when you get to the line, you're missing. So I think that got in his head a little bit. And I think those comments about Budenholzer and being asked about the defensive, there was a lot of frustration there, of course, coming from Giannis, I thought. That's how I took it. And maybe he was sort of sticking up for Budenholzer a little bit too, like the how dare you ask me, I'll do anything my coach wants. But mm. I'm with you guys. There was there was something there that he was pissed, probably at himself. His son is watching him there in the front row. That's got to hurt, you know. Liam's there. and uh, uh, I think and he yeah, was gone by the game. fourth quarter. I think, oh, Liam. okay. Well, he didn't have the problem. He didn't yeah. have to see that. Oh, yeah. His, his little son was like, I don't want to watch this. This is brutal. <laughs> I think, though, again, the credit here deserves to, to go to Eric Spolstra. He had that team ready and prepared. Great defensive game plan. And uh, Pat Riley was in the stands last yep. night for the game. And Jimmy Butler apparently said, a big, yeah, appreciate you. And... Uh, and apparently, Pat Riley, according to Sam Amick, said back, uh, you're making my dreams come true or something like that. <laughs> this, I mean, the Pat Riley's won championships. He's been around forever. And, uh, but this is his making his dreams come true. But again, this is the Miami Heat kind of blueprint. They're always tough. They're always defensively prepared. And no player on the Miami Heat, you know, you remember when Jason Capono came from the Heat to the Raptors and I said, well, he played under Pat Riley, so he knows how to play defense. And I think that's... Just the way, that's the MO for the for the Miami Heat. It's like, you've got to learn to play defense. And if you play defense, you're going to be on our team. And everyone who came out onto the floor, and, and some of those smaller guys as well, like Tyler Hero and, and Duncan Robinson, you know, not big guys, but they just know where to be. They know how to, you know, what position they're supposed to be in. They get back in transition and they do their role for the team, uh, even though they're not, you know, the, the big intimidating defenders like they had, do have on that team. So that's the, that's the thing with uh, Miami. They know that if they can slow down that Bucks offense and keep the game uh, tight, they've got a closer at the other end. And uh, it basically, it played out exactly that way last night. Yeah, and I, I will say, Middleton, I thought, did a good job on Duncan Robinson at times when he was matched up early in that, taking him out of his rhythm and sticking to him. But then Tyler Hero in the fourth quarter hit some big shots again. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is time and time again here. He hit a big three like earlier in the fourth quarter. And then with a minute 35 to go, off of a huge, um, I think it was Bam with like the tap out offensive yeah. rebound, the Tyson Chandler there, it found its way to Hero, I think, over in the corner, and he splashed that. I mean, the kid is not afraid of the big moment. Mm-hmm. And they want a shooter out there, which you got Jimmy cooking, and then Dragic had another great game. We haven't even gotten to him. I heard Simmons and Rosillo on Sunday night's podcast talking about, I thought it was interesting, do the Celtics, yeah, shocker, Simmons was talking about the Celtics, <laughs> um, do the Celtics have the best big three left in the bubble? Tatum, Jalen Brown and Akemba. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe there's something to that. I wonder, though, with the way Dragic is playing right now, FIBA Dragic, the dragon, is it actually the Heat with Butler, Bam, 
and Dragic, who had 27, Bam with 12 and 17, and had some beautiful assists, six assists. He bullied Giannis at times. I don't know. Like, I mean, it maybe is them when Dragic plays at this level because he's been phenomenal this entire bubble run. What's what's your take on that, Tess? Um, they've been very good. I don't know. I have to big three. It up. They've been great. I, I I think they've found a little nice little yin and yang. Dragic is more of the uh, the first quarter man. Well, I, you know, Jimmy Butler definitely took some shots in the first quarter, but uh, they all know who's closing that thing out, and so they've got. Uh, They've got a nice balance, but I don't know. Have you done the big three, look up, look down at each team? I, I, was, I, I was going through them in my head, and I and again, when I was listening to the podcast, I was like, yeah, maybe it is the Celtics. I mean, those are three 20-point-per-game scores. A couple of those guys bring it defensively. Kemba's not going to give it to you on that end that much, but uh, I don't know. Watching the Heat, I was like, oh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Butler playing like this, Bam playing like this, obviously an all-star and is impressive on both ends. And then, and then Dragic at this level. Now, that's the thing. I mean, can Dragic keep doing this? I... He's. This is the best Dragic has played since again FIBA Dragic. I'm convinced. Like for you this gotta, stretch, for this. Well, long. the Bucks need Bloodso back. He's going to help yeah. huge against Dragic, right? Uh, 27 for Dragic, and he was just getting them too easily. He was hitting a bunch of. Once he got in the rhythm, he was hitting those weird floaters, yep. right? And it's like he's going to take the shots that you kind of don't expect him to take. You know, maybe a 12 footer that uh, everybody else would try and get to the rim, or totally. maybe pull it out for three. Uh, he's just keeping them, the Bucks on their toes, and just throwing them off kilter a little bit. So. Uh, you know, Bledsoe can have his his problems in the playoffs, and he's not always there offensively. But he can bring it defensively, and he can make it a lot harder on Goran Dragic. That would be that would be a nice adjustment for the Bucks to 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 have one of their all defensive players back as well. That, that but is I'm fair. trusting I'm trusting Dragic over I'm trusting Middleton to have a similar game, or even Brook Lopez, who is who is on fire, and he's he's pulling out this, and you know he's eight of ten. <laughs> uh, oh, he yeah, looked yeah. he, he looked cool. He had, a, he had a good half, yeah, and he slowed down. And Chris Middleton, same thing. Uh, he, he slowed down, too. I'm taking Dragic over those dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that's even a question right now. Uh, and and they just they just don't got it uh, on the Milwaukee side. They really don't. But let's let's uh, stick to uh, my man John Schumann's stats here. Let's let's get back to that first. Do second. we have my to? And John Schumann. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. You want to talk about Ryan Rossillo and Bill Simmons instead? Is that what you want to talk about? Let's oh, talk about okay. John Schumann. Let's Schuman. hear some weird stat Schumann's got for us. What's he got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big three is... Uh, oh, no, he didn't send that. That was The big three is Schumann, Pelton, and... Uh, Haberstro. Yeah, Haberstro, sure. Yeah, John, Sh- John Schumann is <laughs> no, too... Yeah, be John Schumann is too smart. He sent effective field goal percentages over... James Harden's career game one through seven it's pretty even so I I told him to dumb it down a little bit let's just go three point percentage and uh, James Harden it's only three games but his worst three point percentage is in game seven it's 28.6% he picks it up uh, at the free throw line and in two point land and that's why his effective field goal percentage is is similar Uh, he was one of six in the fourth quarter of of game six there uh, from the, the floor and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a chuck fest. He's got to get into two-point land. All right. Okay, so back here to the Heat Bucks. Um, the one <laughs> other thing from this was Joel Embiid tweeting. Mm. His love for the Jimmy Butler there, Trey. He was, <laughs> He's tweeting left and right how much he's loving the Jimmy Butler show. And he should be. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> Butler, I mean... You know, we're what? The Heat have played five games in the playoffs so far. So it's still very early in the playoffs. But it's between him and Tatum for me, who's been the best player in the Eastern Conference playoffs so far. And Jimmy just does it year in and year out. And you saw the way that things went for the Sixers. What they were missing was Jimmy Butler. Um, So I kind of feel like right now is the perfect time to fire up a top five because this is going to be relating to Jimmy Butler. So let's uh, let's throw it on top. (laughs) 
top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Joel Embiid was loving Jimmy Butler last night. So that brings us to today's top five. Here are the top five teams that wish they had Jimmy Butler right now. At number five, Houston Rockets. Feels hmm. weird, but I went back and looked at uh, some of the rumors from last year when uh, Jimmy was going to be a free agent, and apparently the Rockets were very confident that they would be able to sign Jimmy Butler to pair with James Harden and Chris Paul. They were going to do it with Chris Paul there as well. Wow. Can you even imagine those three guys on the same team? Uh, there would be a lot of sniping at each other, and it definitely feels like there wouldn't be enough basketballs for the three of them, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to think about. What a crazy team that would be. Jimmy, obviously... A Texas native as well. Mm. Yeah, I love the idea of a James with a Jimmy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would never get them mixed up because, as we know, Jimmy Butler, his name is Jimmy. Jimmy, don't call me James. Don't call him James. That's right. At number four, the L.A. Clippers. It was originally going to be Jimmy Butler pairing with Kawhi Leonard out in L.A. before uh, the Clippers figured out a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And as a guy who has always been on the Jimmy Butler side of the Jimmy Butler versus Paul George debate, this has been an incredible playoffs uh, for that take. Uh, I have a feeling that Kawhi and Jimmy Butler would be a pretty tough team to beat out there in the West. Here's where it gets sad. At number three, the Minnesota Timberwolves. You had him. You traded him after he led your franchise to their only playoff berth of the past 16 years. Guys, all he wanted to do was work hard and be the man. You should have let him. Oof. I mean, it was a disaster with the way things ended in yeah. Minnesota, but maybe you should have made the call to devote a little more resources to Jimmy Butler rather than an Andrew Wiggins. I know they were still enamored with Wiggins at that point. Blah, blah, blah. You had Jimmy Butler, and now you don't. Your team has the number one draft pick this year. At number two, the Philadelphia 76ers. You had him. You let him go. You paid Tobias Harris instead. Guys, all he wanted was to work hard and be the man. <laughs> you should have let him. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. And at number one, of course, doubles. <laughs> you drafted him. Number 30, he won most improved player, proving, hey, I can improve. Then he became an all-star twice. He was just a boy, not even 28 years old. And you traded him. All he wanted was to work hard and be the man. <laughs> you should have let him. This could be the Bulls out there. The Heat wear black and red. They play defense and Jimmy Butler brings him home. That was the Bulls MO when Jimmy Butler was in town, but he was too mean. Dwayne Wade came in from Miami. He said, hey man, it doesn't have to be like this. You can go somewhere else. And then we had a long journey to Jimmy Butler finally making his way to the Heat. And it has worked out exactly as they imagined. Could have been you, Chicago. Wow. He just Top wanted to be teams. wanted to be coached by Fred Hoiberg, didn't he? He just said, coach me harder. Coach me harder. Yeah. Hey, sh we should practice more. Yeah. We should watch more film. We should try harder. No, 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 no. Get out of here. Get out of here. We're bringing in a punch clock. Give us Chris Dunn instead. That's who uh, we want. A related tweet to that great top five. I saw Mina Kimes tweet last night. Jimmy Butler is the person on every reality show who says, I'm not here to make friends on the first episode. <laughs> I love that, which is, uh, if you watch like uh, those crappy reality shows, The Bachelor, Bachelorette, it's, ex it's exactly who Butler is in that first episode. He's here not to make friends. He's here to win and work hard. Um, but then, unfortunately, those people, they go far, Trey, but they never win. Those, those people. So I don't know what that says for the for Jimmy Butler in the Heat. Maybe they get to the I final. I mean, that's true. Uh, yeah. And we'll see if they actually win the championship. 
not likely, but right. I mean, the Heat are trending the right way. And when Jimmy Butler leaves your team, look what happens. Look what's happened to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They haven't been back to the playoffs. Look what happened to the 76ers. They fired their coach. They're way worse. Look what happened to the Bulls. They're on their third coach since Jimmy Butler lost to, left town, and they've just been picking number seven the entire time. He might be a jerk. You might not like having him around all the time, but the entire message of Jimmy Butler is, if we work hard, our team is going to win. And that's the entire message of the Miami Heat, and that's why it's worked out there. Other teams, at- other organizations need to say, hey, if we work hard, we can win. It's not It's not a hard thing to figure out. Right. you got to deal with the personalities, you know? And it's we fine. got Joel Embiid, as you said, the subtweet of his own team, basically, <laughs> saying, hey, that guy's really good who's playing in the playoffs. He used to play on our team. That's messed up. Uh, that, that's there's yeah. Like, you can't feel good in that organization no, uh, no. right now whatsoever with what's going on. Your your best player, uh, called Ben Simmons, your best player, whatever. One of your franchise guys talking smack about your team on the <laughs> tweets. <laughs> um, uh, not so good. You know, putting their business out on the streets. Not so good. Uh, I'll say this about Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you talked about obviously him leaving the Timberwolves. Have you seen Andrew Wiggins? Uh, new shot form. He's the new Splash Brother. Mm. Uh, he's just splashing threes. I'm not buying it, but uh, <laughs> he was splashing threes in a video. New shot form. That elbow way in. Oh, well, that's looking good. different. Yeah, take a take a look, see, and watch Andrew Wiggins with his shirt off hitting threes. Hold on, it sounds like you're interested in buying some property or maybe yeah. a Subway sandwich shop on Wiggins Island. <laughs> huh? You want some? You want to no, your own I'm, franchise? I'm, I'm subletting my place. I made oh. that stupid mistake of buying it once upon a time, and never again. Yeah, that's true. All right, we got to take a break. Still, lots more to come here on today's show. But first, guys, as we all know, the Jazz and the Nuggets are going to Game Seven, baby. Tonight, nothing easy. So it's still very, very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. That's why our homies at Manscaped.com have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible if that matchup does indeed go down later this week. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've never called my balls my Nuggets. I don't mind it. And I was actually trying to think of another NBA nickname, team name, that works for the old testes, right? My Kings? Regal? My two pistons, powerful. My Knicks, no thank you. Not with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced, your dolens diminished. No Knicks on my dicks. MSG doesn't stand for Madison Square Garden in this ad read. No, 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 Lee. My MSG stands for Manscaped Smooth Guaranteed. Guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. Take your grooming game to MSG. Manscaped smooth. Guaranteed. All right. Let's get to the up-down report. Prepare your tubes. It's the up-down report. Oh, yeah, we are into the up-down report. It has been so long. First one, guys, Pelicans forward Brandon Ingram was named the NBA's most improved player on Monday. The Plastic Man 2.0, really trying to force that, received 42 first-place votes from the global panel of 100 sports writers and broadcasters. He earned 326 total points. He just edged out Bam Adebayo, who finished in second with 295 points. He got 38 first-place votes. Very, very close here. 
Guys, are you up or down on Brandon Ingram winning most improved? Lee, throw your thumbs up or down. I'm up on it. Yeah, it was down to him or Bam to win it. And uh, Ingram did have a very good season. So a good award for him to win. And I think the voting reflected just how close it was. You know, you could have made a strong case for both of those guys. They were both all-stars. In fact, four the top four guys made the all-star game. And Pascal, who finished seventh, I think it was, he also made the all-star game. So... Uh, and Trey Young, he also got some votes. So there was a lot of all-stars in this voting sure. for uh, most improved. I don't know how you feel about that, Skeety, but uh, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad Ingram does get a little bit of uh, recognition here because, um, you know, he came into the league, he was the number two pick, and he had high expectations. Things didn't really work out all that well for him in Los Angeles. Gets to a new city, a new team, he's a little bit more mature, and the offense basically was like, you're our guy on offense, and he responded well. So I'm happy for him to get that. Now it's uh, what can he add to his game? You know, can he get better? Can he become a bit more of a playmaker, better defensively? That's what's really uh, I'm going to be looking forward now to see in these next couple of years. It's important to note that the bubble games didn't count in this vote either, mm. right? You know, all those, those seeding games and stuff like that, they were not taken into consideration. It was prior to the March 11th or 12th, whatever it was, uh, shutdown. And I think that actually helped Ingram's case because he wasn't that great, really for the most part there in in the bubble setting. But uh, what do you think, Trey? Thumbs up or thumbs down on BI? I voted for Brandon Ingram to pick up most improved, so I'm up on this. But I do wonder if uh, if you were including the seeding games, would Bam have been the guy? I because think so. I kind of think so, too. You know, he's yep. picked up a lot of steam as a guy who could have been a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He'll, I mean, I guess it depends. There's a lot of good centers defensively, but he could make an all-defensive team. And he's been instrumental to the Heat uh, looking like a finals contender so far down there in the bubble. Meanwhile, Ingram was scoring some points, but the Pelicans didn't do so well. And there were times where you felt a little bit like B.I. had some tunnel vision, just trying to get some shots up rather than moving the ball around. There's obviously questions now about how him and Zion are going to fit together. Kind of ludicrous considering they are both still so early in their careers, can figure some things out. But I think if you add in those couple of weeks down in Orlando, Bam's probably the guy. What do you think, Tess? Yeah, I'm going thumbs up. I also took uh, Brandon Ingram, but yeah, it came down to these two guys, and uh, it's it was. I guess I was just a little bit more impressed with where Brandon Ingram came from, uh, as far as being in LA. The reputation was down low for him, uh, and, and yeah, he was traded for Anthony Davis there, and. Uh, just jumped up, obviously, in, in people's minds. While Bam Adebayo, he was a backup and then finally got his uh, starting job. And I think basketball nerds knew he was going to be good. Uh, obviously, no one knew he was going to be this good and this early. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is great. It's picking between your two kids. I mean, they're both, they're both, they both were great uh, this season. So th- I, think, I think the voters got it right in terms of the t- guys at the top. Right. It was very close, like I said. But you think it sounds like, and I agree with you, like Ingram benefited from a bit more of a narrative here, right? Which comes into play with MIP. Like the narrative being he was on the Lakers. He's on, you know, one of the marquee teams. Mm. He's not living up maybe to expectations being a high draft pick and then is packaged in the ED deal. And people are like, ah, is he even like going to be a guy anymore in this league? Or is he going to be a role player? And then is like suddenly a 24 point per game score. I, I, I think he's helped out by that. Where it's a little more, it's a little more of a sexy narrative than the Bam, just like getting more minutes, getting more mm-hmm. opportunity, and turning into an incredible player. I mean, you're right, Tass. Like suddenly, this guy is like their fulcrum of their offense at times. You know, we talked about how he's all season long about it. maybe he's their most important player, as great as Jimmy Butler is. Maybe he's their most important player. But uh, yeah, I'm not upset with Bi winning this. I looked it up by the way. Six games for Ingram down in the bubble. Um, 
under 20 points per game, shot 42% from the floor, five boards, three assists. So the numbers were a lot worse than what he had in the regular season prior to the to the shutdown. Anything to add there, Lily? I thought you were about to say something. No, no, I'm actually, there's a couple of tweets being, uh, or comments being fired here. John Schumann says, Trey's dog would have voted for Yams at a bio. <laughs> and then Sarah Gray, Sarah Gray's going, LOL, John Schumann, perfect wordplay. So uh, the fans are just firing the pun gun here. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, in the dog days of the season, it's crazy. <laughs> I can't wait to, to do a second top five later in the show. Top five Schumann comments uh, oh, from this episode. Yeah. All right, second one. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets unveiled some new jerseys on Monday. I don't know if we have some photos here. Yeah, we do, JD. Good stuff for everybody joining us on YouTube. Uh, the new look features double pinstripes. What do they mean? Uh, on the jersey, similar to what the franchise used from 97 to 2002. This time around, the pinstripes are just one color. Okay, so teal on the white. Charlotte Association jerseys and white on the teal Hornets icon jerseys and you're seeing them here got purple used as the trim so up or down on these Hornets new-ish jerseys I mean they're sort of old new but what do you think Trey? I think I'm going to be in the minority on this but I got to go sideways these are good because everybody loves the teal Hornets jerseys mm-hmm. you know it's basically the easiest thing to possibly do bring back the pinstriped Hornets jerseys and you're going to get a thumbs up but I think they botched it a little bit. Not enough purple. This, to me, is the worst version of the pinstripe jerseys that we've seen so far. Uh, mm. I would have liked to see more color. It just doesn't feel right to me with um, a little bit more modern font. You know, the old Hornets jerseys had uh, those serif fonts, and it looked like something that you would find on a typewriter. These are very uh, stingery, I guess you would say. You know, you got like a little thing sticking off sure. the the thing it just looks a little bit too modern compared to the throwback jerseys i don't think they found the sweet spot that's the key right now is finding your retro look that works in 2020 and this for me it's like a six and a half out of ten. Ooh, okay tass what do you think i think you just got to go back to your originals i think every team right now is looking for a classic jersey that they don't have to change year in and year out and i think just like the atlanta hawks just did they went back uh, to some old school looks. The home and away for the Hornets should be their old ones. They don't need to double pinstripe it to change it up. Uh, th- this is their most popular era for a reason. The home and away should be absolutely the same. I-, I don't see why you would even change it. Go right back to it and I think you will achieve what like the Bulls have had to do and not had to change their jerseys year in and year out. That's mm. what every team should be striving for. And I think they would have got it if they went back to the the LJ, Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues, Rex Chapman days. Just go back to those. What, what, what are you waiting for? I, I just don't think, why, why do they need to change it? It's something that they're going to change again the next year. I think it was, it was close, uh, but it was, it was over-tweaked IMO. Okay, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I'm I'm up. They're fine. They're fine. They're not too offensive. I get what the other guys are saying there. Like they don't seem perfect, but they don't seem terrible either. Uh, Charlotte, just they don't. They they've got a really nice brand, a nice name there, nice colors. <laughs> they don't need to do too much. I just want to know why do they release it now? Why why do it now when the playoffs are on? We've got some big storylines like. Don't you want to get a little bit more juice closer to the season, perhaps? I don't know. It just seems weird to me. It's like, hey. Sell those jerseys, man. I guess just like what the Hawks did. I know, I know. But it's like we've got four months until the next season. We're like, hey, we're getting some new jersey. Like, Hey, man, we're talking about the Hornets right now. It's the playoffs. Yeah, but it's like, 
deep into the show, you know, and it's not a great thing for the <laughs> We didn't leave the show. Oh, it's, yeah, it's in the know, B block yeah. for sure. Second one. <laughs> like, too, yeah. like I want to either hate something or just be passionately in love with it. At the moment, I'm just kind of like, yeah, cool. Okay, man, yeah. that, you know, I'm not like, oh my God, that's the greatest jersey I've ever seen. So, what, if they, what if they made their original jerseys their home and away jerseys? Yeah, uh, we, I mean, uh, bring them back. They, we'd lead the show with that. <laughs> a, a lot closer wow. to those. Those are yeah. the best. Their best colors. Their best. Their best time in their lives, man. Uh, go back to your teenage years, your college days. Those, that was their best look. Yeah. Well, if they get Kelly Trapuca to come back as well for the unveiling, mm-hmm. then fine. You have the big, the big starter jacket and everything, and the big crazy hair. I mean, that's that's fine. Do all that. But uh, aren't those Cody, original jerseys the ones you're talking about, Tass? Like they were designed by like a famous designer. I don't know, Trey, if you can help Ooh, me. Oh, Alexander out. Julian. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He said, "Whatever we do, we can have pinstripes on top, but not on bottom. Got to keep those plain shorts." I always think that's such a weird thing to have just stripes up top, but the bottoms are plain. Apparently, that's what the Hornets are doing as well with this. So, yeah. kudos to sticking to the plan. This is the first full redesign for the Hornets since the team rebranded from the Bobcats way back in 2014. Because uh, there's good, there's another jersey still to come, and then Charlotte is keeping their statement edition jersey from last year. If you remember, it's the purple one. Trey, you like the purple with the big C-H-A across the front of it. Cha. So, cha. So that one cha. will be staying, and I think we have a city one coming. I can never... Association, icon, statement, and city. I think are your four jerseys. And I think they're all going to have the Jordan brand this time. The little Jordan yeah. logo on it. A little Jumpman logo, I guess what I should say. All right. Next thing here. The NBA has warned teams that owners and senior basketball executives, along with the players' families, must adhere to proper decorum at playoff games on the campus. The memo stated, no profane or objectionable language or coming onto the court during games. The rules also disallow conversations with game officials and everything will be interpreted <laughs> broadly and strictly per the memo saw this by way of Woj so up or down on this this NBA warning here task for uh, all of these owners and executives and families what do you think yeah I don't want to be a, a rules Robert here but I think you have to lay down the rules in this unprecedented situation it's just so strange uh, you, you saw Yanis's uh, uh, girlfriend and uh and son there courtside. I mean, they're so close to the action. Right. It is like, yeah, little Liam can take a little jog onto the floor if he really wanted. And it's so strange. Would it be really odd uh, to for us to just think it's normal? I, I mean, because because there, there is no barrier. There is nothing there. I, I just think you kind of have to set the rules here uh, to make sure uh, Mariah and Liam don't go give Giannis a hug post-game. I think you just you just got to lay down the law. And it, it sort of makes sense because of how, how weird things are. Like fans and family with folding chairs, feet away um, from the floor. And uh, it was interesting to, to see this morning I read uh, – the Athletics Joe Varden transcribed what security guards were saying to each other pre-game because this was the the first time, uh, the first day where yeah. uh, the families were there and they uh, were saying to each other, "All right, we got to go up and talk to these families and lay down the law with them." <laughs> and, and and he was eavesdropping. Joe Varden was no doubt. He shouldn't have been in on that conversation, but <laughs> that's what reporters do. So well done there, Joe Varden. And uh, I think it had to come down from uh, from the NBA as well because. You don't want anything stupid to happen. <laughs> and right. uh, it makes sense. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, I mean, yes. You, we can hear people talking, so you got to do it. To me, this is more saving the families from themselves. You don't want to have the situation 
that the Raptors had once upon a time where Chris Bosh's girlfriend was trash-talking LeBron out on the court, so LeBron just put the team on his back and destroyed. Mm. You don't want to be the reason that your loved one loses a playoff game, so they're just saying, hey, 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 just be cool out there. Just be cool. Don't be uncool. Yeah, Mm. it really was. That's what this memo is. Everybody just be cool, okay? This is weird. We get it. But just don't go crazy on the officials and don't go crazy, you know, heckling the other team. This isn't a normal basketball game. So just be chill and be cool, like you said uh, there, Trey. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, tensions are running a little bit high, too, in some of those games. Few those nut shots. You don't want anyone's uh, (laughs) better halves or other halves sort of jumping the barrier and trying to get into it with somebody else. So, yeah. And, we, you know, we saw the Paul George and Damian Lillard stuff where... That got a little bit ugly on social media with some family members. So you just want everyone to understand, like, if you're down there, just watch the game, but also stay out of it as well. Just let the let the game be played mm-hmm. and then go back to your hotel rooms and go for a walk around, whatever you have to do. But uh, don't bring any unnecessary attention to the league, please. Right, right. Yes, that's a good way to put it, too. Okay, final one here. According to the New York Post, Vince Carter has agreed to join ESPN as an NBA analysis Analyst, I mean. (laughs) I didn't know this, but Air Canada has gone through the Players Association's Sportscaster U camp doing TV and radio, which has included previous work for ESPN and Turner. So up or down on Vince joining ESPN? Let's ask JD. JD, are you there? I'm here. There you are. What do you think? Up or down on Vince going to ESPN? What? Down. Way down. Why? Uh, I'm pretty sure we asked him to come on our show to join the starters (laughs) back uh, two years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've basically been sitting in this box, keeping it warm for him. Uh, Vince Carter is in the DNA of this show. Uh, Our first pick and payoff was Vince Carter related Mm -hmm. when we sent Tass down to the ACC wearing a Vince Carter Jersey, he almost got killed that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm frankly, uh, I'm upset. You're offended. He's, he's, I'm offended. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. Um, yeah, thumbs down. Thumbs down from me. Okay. Mm. What, what do you think there, Lily? Yeah, same. Vince, come on, man. <laughs> come on, Vince. We would have found room for you on the No Dunks team. You know, we, we have. We've, well, I've, I've spoken to him at the finals. We've had the dunk contest. He was marking Trey's dunk there. The reverse. He gave it. I think he only gave it a nine because he said he's seen it before. I mean, Vince is a great guy. He's a, you know, going on ESPN. It's a little bit of a stuffy look. He's going to have the shirt and tie and all that. We want Vince to be loose and casual, man. So I'm I'm not going to withdraw the invitation to, to, for him to come on No Dose. It's going to remain out there. An open okay. invitation. If you change your mind, Vince, you're always welcome. I think he lives in Atlanta too. So, uh, you know, oh, we can accommodate him. Right, right. And, I mean, it would have been pretty ironic for Vince Carter, of all people, to be on a podcast, a show called No Dunks. Mm. I mean, that, that is, that's memorable. You'd be like, what? Why, why is he on No Dunks? He's a dunker. Um, but what do you think, Tass? Well, I just want to ask Lee. You said you, uh, the invitation is still open. Have you sent him an email? Have you asked him, hey, what's up, man? You want to come on Pop and Packs? Pop and Packs. Uh, sure. No, I haven't been able to find a contact for him. But uh, uh, if I go, do, if I Just do. go to his house. He lives in Atlanta. Just go to his house. <laughs> yeah, if I do, he'll definitely get the invitation. No question about it. But mm, little hard. But see, now, now you're screwed. Now he works for ESPN. You're not going to get him through those back channels. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I've I've got a few other little methods that I use, and uh, every now and again they work. All right. Uh, What do you think, uh, Trey? Carter did minor in communications, I I also learned in that New York Post article. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I guess he's been out of college for 20 years, though. So does he still have the skills? It's hard to say. (laughs) I I mean, I was up on this. Uh, Vince is going to be good on the desk or on a broadcast, whatever they end up doing with him. But now I'm down. Like you guys are saying, he should be on No Ducks. That's just how it is. Sorry. Right. I mean, you could work for ESPN or you could work for us. One of the yeah. two. Yeah. I mean, 
and we would pay you nothing and yeah, you'd still yeah, have a lot yeah. more fun but yeah sure all right, hey, we did this show for three years and didn't get paid. We'd pay him eventually. Yeah, eventually. He'd have to earn his keep, for sure. <laughs> That's right. He'd have to prove he can breathe. We didn't pay Lee for like six years. Uh, we just started paying him. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, we pay him in uh, basketball packs, cards. <laughs> well, the good thing is that we can't get Vince Carter, uh, apparently, but we can still get Alvin Williams or maybe John Wallace, depending <laughs> on <laughs> who signs the contract. <laughs> all right, uh, best of luck to Vince. Of course, we'll be watching him. I'm sure he'll be fantastic, whether he's on the desk or he's on the call, because I don't think that's a... He probably will do both. All right, we're going to get you all set for today's games, but first, a quick break. We got a bunch of short names here on No Dunks. Trey Kirby, Tass Mellis, J.E. Skeets, Lee Ellis, Jason Doyle. We're talking 10 characters max. Mm-hmm. Not an Antetokounmpo or McConaughey in the bunch, but people still look like absolute idiots when they misspell our names. There's no A in Trey. Tass is not a spinning cartoon character, and Lee Ellis, with two E's, is either an actor, a surgeon, or an Air Force general. All of these foolish mistakes could have been avoided by using Grammarly. Whether you're communicating with your team online, working on a project, or emailing your favorite podcast, Grammarly is the digital writing tool you can always rely on to get your message across clearly and effectively. It works across multiple platforms, including Gmail, Google Docs, and Slack to help you write, catch mistakes, and communicate confidently and clearly no matter where you are. 20 million people use Grammarly, and you can sign up for free to get real-time spelling and grammar checks as you write. If you want deeper insights on your writing, Grammarly Premium gives you advanced feedback on tone, word choice, punctuation, and more. I've been using the Premium service. It's great. I especially like how GP warns you about all the superfluous, unnecessary, extraneous, unneeded, redundant words you may be using. No one likes a rambler unless it's an ad read or a Yeti. (laughs) It's the perfect writing tool for anyone who wants to stand out with every word. So harness the power of Grammarly on every platform by using their desktop editor, browser plugin, and mobile apps. Right now, our listeners can get 20% off Grammarly Premium when you sign up at Grammarly.com slash no dunks. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at Grammarly.com slash no dunks. G-R- a-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash N-O-D-U-N-K-S. thought that was an Usher song for a second. <laughs> okay, Lee, time for Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Okay, so this one comes in from a, uh, a fan. Mm. And I think I think this one was staged. Because it comes in from Hobo Reload. Hobo Reload Jake is his name. And uh, look, the NBA has had a pretty good run of virtual fans. No one's been doing anything they shouldn't have been doing until last night. And I think the reason why this is actually Hobo Reload is because I think no one else could have possibly been paying attention unless they knew this was going to happen. If you go to sort of the (laughs) mid-top of this uh, photo, you'll notice that uh, somebody has... uh, it's got the uh, yeah, it they got the moon out. Enhance, enhance, enhance. Yes. and again, Blue stop on camera. Like it's very hard to pay attention to the virtual fans when you're watching a game. So I think what he's done is he said to someone, "All right," or he's done it himself. He said, "All right, I'm just going to do it, and then I'm going to make sure I know what time it is on the screen, and then I'm going to capture it for everybody." And uh, and he's done it. So now you're now you're con- you're convinced that's a man's buttocks. Oh. <laughs> See, because I think it's a womanly. Hmm. 
And the reason I say that is I we got this tweet sent in to us and, and somebody tagged us uh, in, in the tweet. And then I was watching, like, obviously the rest of the game and I thought in that seat there was a woman. Right. Wow. So so maybe uh, maybe Hobo Jake here and uh, this woman are in cahoots, in caboots, <laughs> in caboose. I don't know, something there. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they've had a good run, the NBA, and I think... Uh, you know, it was gonna. This was gonna happen eventually, and this is you know. <laughs> gonna happen eventually. I don't think that's a man or a woman. I think that's Chester Cheetah. Uh, that that looks like the Cheetos mascot right there. Yeah, huh. yeah. sure, huh. sure. I'm not seeing that, but uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so maybe this is marketing. You're saying? Oh, interesting, interesting. Mm. All right. So well, this is nice. I mean, we went from the George Hill dump to the Luca drink and piss. So now the butt shot here, virtual yeah. fans. Yeah, that, that's it. I think we're done now. We don't need any more. But uh... <laughs> tomorrow's tweet of the night will be clean. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Maybe that was a dude wipes uh, marketing ploy there. Trey, wow, you know that's, those a, guys. that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, that's. I, I wouldn't put that above them to to demonstrate a dude wipe. Uh, the only. <laughs> The only thing that could happen now is maybe somebody gets a little manscaping going on there in the uh, in the virtual fan. Wow. We saw a virtual fanny. So what's next? Wow. I mean, I'm going to assume you had to like sign a waiver for these virtual fans, right? Like yes. you can't do stuff like this. So I yes. Yeah, maybe the maybe the person I ended up seeing later was like someone else completely. Maybe. Oh, yeah, they had to sub out real quick. You would you think, would, you but would um, so. I mean, so there must be someone literally watching almost every fan there to make I, sure that this I, stuff. Yeah, I would assume not, so. Yeah. yeah, and they cut their feet. I would guess if they yeah. see some sort of you know, but maybe someone uh, wasn't watching, wasn't paying attention. Someone thought now's now's the time to slip the yeah. butt shut in. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, that couple that was having sex up in the the old Sky Dome Hotel once mm. upon a time. <laughs> Mm. Got it. Got it by the cameras. That's right. Smooth that's right. Out. All right. Well, we'll get to the to the bottom of this story <laughs> uh, a little bit later. Okay. Let's uh, set up quickly today's games. Tass. Uh, what do we? We only got a game seven, baby. What else we got? Yeah. Exciting stuff. Denver and Utah, eight thirty Eastern, on ABC Network Television. Everybody can watch a game seven. Wow. Should be fun. Again. As we said yesterday, probably expect uh, that Jamal Murray's and the Devon, Donovan Mitchell's numbers to drop off a little bit in a Game 7. It usually gets a little ugly. Yeah. That's what tends to happen in Game 7s. Those numbers probably won't be there, especially considering the Jazz have got to change their defense a little bit on Jamal Murray. But, hey, uh, we're expecting a great, great game, I assume. And then uh, the first game of the day, 5.30 Eastern, nice and early for uh, everybody here on the East Coast, super early for the West Coasters, Boston and Toronto, game two of that series. Mm, I don't say that one first. I said it second because, wow, it's not looking good for the Toronto Raptors. But, hey, they might fight back. They might fight back and have a, a good game. So looking forward to both those. Very, very excited for both of those games. What's uh, what's the highest point total in the for one player in the Nuggets Jazz game tonight. You know, we, we talked about Murray obviously going for 50s. Donovan's gone for 50s. What What is it in a game seven? Let, let's get some prediction. That was our final prediction before we go here. What do you got, Lee? What's the highest? And name the player if you want. Jamal Murray, 41. 41. He's on fire. Yeah, I just oh. feel he's going to get it. He's. I mean, yeah, let's do it, Jamal. Four, right. That would be four 40-point games in a row. I wonder if that's a, a series record. I, maybe. Uh, I mean, LeBron, LeBron against the uh, against the Warriors, I think in the finals had a couple of. And he started with a fifty. And then Did he do four in a row though? No, over forty. I don't think so. But yeah, yeah but maybe he did. I don't know. I'm sure Jordan has done it. I'm sure mm. Wilt has done it or something. Uh, okay, so forty-one Jamal Murray. Trey, what do you got? 
Uh, 38 from Bull Bull. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, <laughs> nice pick. Nice swerve there. What do you got, Tass? Well, I just mentioned the Sky Dome, old Toronto Blue Jays. I'll give a, a number 29, just like Joe Carter had on his back when he knocked <laughs> that one out of the park in 1993. I think a 29er is, uh, is high enough. That's and, it. And we got to wow. remember, 29 is not a bad number. Not a bad number for a guy to have in a game seven. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jamal or Donovan. I don't know. I don't know. This is. I don't know who to pick in this one. Twenty nine feels Coin too play. low to me, man. Uh, I don't know. Somebody scored over thirty. Uh, so give me thirty five. Thirty five will be the 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 high, and it will be. I'll go Murray. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I'm not picking against him right now, but both of those guys could easily go for that, as we've seen time and time again. Should be fun. Hopefully, it's a close game seven, and we got a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show. Enjoy those games. Hopefully, the Raptors can also put up a little bit better of a fight, and we can talk about that too. Email us your questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. We'll be stepping on the beach tomorrow afternoon wednesday afternoon so you still have a little bit of time to get those cues and comments in if you listen to the podcast on itunes keep leaving your boys a five-star rating and review trey you said uh it's five-star friday right at the end of this week that's right first of the month so first friday of the month get them in get them in all right we will see you guys on wednesday thanks for joining us today clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome Thanks for joining us, folks. And remember, this is a little-known fact about Vince Carter, but his autograph looks a lot like Alvin Williams's and John Wallace's. It's totally true. Embrace the day, people. Mm-hmm.